0: This morning we're going to look at the verse, He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was week one. He, uh, he uh, makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. It was uh, week two. This is week three. He restores my soul. That word restore there in the original language, it means, well, it's similar to, I guess, in the English. It means to bring back, to refresh, to repair to bring back to remembrance, or to reverse. Um, He restores, He repairs, He refreshes my soul. And, um, you know, Scripture indicates, I I just want to do a bit of background, a bit of, um, unpackage a little bit uh, before we get into the verse, but the the Scriptures indicate that God made us as a triune being. God is triune is three father son holy spirit we are also made in the image of god we're a triune being we have spirit soul and body um and sometimes the scriptures use the word soul to refer to the, the whole person in a scripture like uh hebrews 619 it says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure it's not talking about our soul they're just talking about uh, us uh, but referring to our soul as as all that we are um but then, in other scriptures, at other times, it differentiates between them. Like one Thessalonians five twenty three, it says, "May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ." Um, and so, we are a, tri- a triune being. Our body, our body is how we interact with the physical world. We all have a body. Yes, we do all have a body. Um, our spirit is how we connect and commune with God and with the things of the spirit. So God moves through our spirit. Our spirit is born again when we're saved. The soul uh, is the seat of our imagination, our thinking, our will, our reasoning, our emotions, and our passions. They, that's what encompasses the soul. Um, so when we're born again, the Bible says you're born again, uh, it's our spirit that's made alive to Christ. The Bible says that our spirit was dead in sin in regards to its relationship with God. And when, it, when we're born again, when Christ comes into our life, our spirit comes alive. Our spirit uh, has a connection with God and we are born again. Romans 8.10 says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I've got a few scriptures this morning because I just want to set the groundwork uh, for the the rest of the message. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation or a new species of being, Uh, another version of the Bible says. The old things have passed away. Behold, the uh, new things have come. And you might say, but... I got saved, I still look the same. Or I'm still dealing with certain things. It says that I'm a new person, but it doesn't feel like I'm a new person because it's our spirit that's come alive to Christ and brand new. And some things do change immediately. Our body still dies. We still, even though we're born again, we go through this life, our body will get older I turned 48, I know I don't look it, I know, (laughs) but we still age, we still get, isn't it amazing though, that, and you hear people say this at different times, particularly people as we start to get a bit older, or people even older than me, they go, you know what, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, but I feel the same, that's because the spirit, our spirit, is eternal, so we don't feel like we're ageing. Our spirit doesn't age. Our spirit is eternal. But our body begins to age. And so you can say, I don't feel old. I don't feel like I'm getting any older. I look like I'm getting older because our body is decaying. Our body will pass away. Our body, we will die. It's not that our body isn't us, uh, but that's the part of us that is connected to this world. And it will pass away. But our spirit will live forever. It'll either live to, to forever with the Lord or away from the Lord, but our spirit never, part, never dies once we're born, um, so even though our spirit's made alive to Christ, we do die in Philippians 3.20, but here's the good news, well, depends how you look at it, the Bible does say that in the resurrection, when Christ rises, we are actually given a brand new body, and anybody says amen to that? <laughs> In fact, the very first thing when Jesus says there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb, and it'll be the first banquet that you'll be able to eat at and not have to worry about calories. Because <laughs> your new body will be, uh, you won't have to worry about calories. <laughs> you won't have to worry about cholesterol <laughs> and all those other awesome things. Uh, that take up our time. (laughs) Because Philippians 3.20 says this, but your citizenship is in heaven and and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So we will be given a new body. We will, but you're going to look like you look now, but just in a glorified state. Isn't that amazing? Because the Bible says that after Jesus died, they recognized he didn't look like a different person. They went, hey, there's Jesus. How'd they recognize? Because he looked the same, even though he was risen from the dead. You're going to look the same in heaven. You're not going to look like a different, you're not going to look like Brad Pitt. You're not going to look like anyone else that you think, oh, I'd like to look like that person. You're going to look like yourself, but you're going to look incredible, an incredible, glorious, divine version of yourself. Um, So if our spirit is born again, if our spirit is renewed, when we come to Christ, it's born again and it's new and then is eternal and our body is passing away, then what is the story with our soul? So, The soul is that part, as I said before, of our our thinking, our imagination, it's our passions, it's our will, it's our emotions. All those areas are tied into our soul. And and the Bible talks about a process called sanctification. I don't know if anybody's heard that word. But the word simply means that we are becoming more and more and being transformed into the image of Christ. When it talks about that, it's talking about the development of our soul. Our spirit is new and is brand new and is connected with Christ. Uh, our body is passing away and still decaying. But the area of our life that is being sanctified and becoming more like Christ is the area, is our thinking, is our emotions, is our passions, is our desires and our will that God desires that those things are aligning with jesus christ and the way he thinks and his passions his emotions and his desires we're being sanctified into the image of jesus christ the soul is being renewed through the process of sanctification and will be completed at the resurrection of jesus christ you're never going to be complete in this earth you're never going to be exactly like jesus while we're living on that we will be becoming more like him and that is the and that is the goal, if you like, of our Christian life, that our, our internal thinking and mindset and our, our emotions and our passions and our desires are conforming and transforming into the likeness of Christ. And as we're growing in Christ, Christianity is not measured on chronology, so how long you've been a Christian, it's measured on transformation. Are we changing as we follow Christ, are we becoming more like him? Not like, I've been a Christian five years. I've been a Christian 10 years. I've known Christians who have been Christians 20 years, and they haven't changed at all. Still got the same bad attitude. Still got the same grumpy mindset. Still, nothing's changing. they just, oh, they're in church. And they say, uh, well, they just, they're born again, which is awesome. Uh, but you just say, don't tell anybody. just just don't tell anybody it's awesome you're going to heaven it's awesome you're in church but don't let anyone know you're a christian you give us a bad rap it has gone quiet (laughs) because just because we're a christian doesn't mean we're becoming like christ we're going to heaven praise lord because our spirit is born again But is our internal, is our soul being transformed? Are we changing in the way we approach life, in the way we approach our future, in the way we approach other people, the way we see the world? Is that changing? That's the fruit that Christ is at work and doing something in our world, that we are different today than we were yesterday. Our lives are being changed and sanctified. And each area of our our life if you like our spirit and soul and body they all need attention our body it's clear that some of our bodies need attention we need to you know work physically or, or do exercise and these kind of things to keep it in shape it doesn't naturally do that uh, our spirit needs attention um, and pastor phil pringle's written an awesome book called healing the wounded spirit which talks about how our spirit can be wounded and things that can happen to our spirit and keeping our spirit healthy like we keep our body healthy. If our body is unhealthy, then there's certain uh, implications that we start to experience. It's the same with our spirit. If our spirit becomes unhealthy, if it becomes damaged, then there's implications that, that affect the rest of our body. They're not separate silos. You don't have your spirit over there, your, your soul here and your body over here. No, it's all integrated into one and they affect each area of our life. So it's important that we are giving attention to each area of our life, just like we've got to keep our physical body fit and, and whatever, so that we don't get diseases and sicknesses, so our spirit also, and so can our soul. Uh, Acts 3.19 says, speaking, uh, speaks of refreshing that may come from the Lord. Uh, the Amplified says this, uh, it says that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat... Of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord, and that's talking about recovering from the effects of heat. So, uh, it's not saying that if you get a heat stroke, it's it's giving an analogy. Just like when you get heat stroke, naturally it affects you. So spiritually, you get um, affected by certain things that can happen that will have a similar effect to the way you live your life and the reviving of fresh air. So sometimes we feel suffocated by life. We feel like we can't breathe. And it's not just necessarily just the physical events, but it's what's going on in our spirit and our soul that is that is constraining us. And the Bible says that it's from the Lord that refreshing comes. The reason that we worship at the beginning of the service is not just to take up 20 or 25 minutes of your day or to give people a time to arrive for the message, even though it is always an awesome message. <laughs> but it is a giving each and every one of us an opportunity to come into the presence of God because it's in the presence of the Lord that refreshing comes. Our soul begins to be refreshed. Things that have happened to us during the week or during the month, that just in the, in the everyday life, just in, in living life with Um, people and family and relationships and work and circumstances and events that take place have an effect upon us and we come into God's presence and we begin to worship and refreshing comes into our soul it comes into our life into our spirit and begins to refresh us the presence of God does not refresh your physical body so I don't know if you've ever found sometimes you'll be in the presence of God and it feels awesome. And a couple of hours later, when the presence of God or the anointing lifts and you feel exhausted, you can go to a conference, you can go all week, and it's amazing. At the end of the week, guess what? You're still tired because the presence of God affects our spirit and our soul. It doesn't necessarily... Cha- you've got to rest. If you want rest you've just got to rest your body, you've got to balance that, you've got to manage your energy output and you've got to manage your spirit input and output and your soul input and output and it's the presence of God that does this. So I'm not saying that um, the presence of God doesn't um, affect us physically, in fact, um, Nicole and I on Friday night, were at a church opening of, of a, uh, some friends of ours they just opened a new building up on the central coast and uh, there was a guy there that we knew many years ago it was a part of oxford falls where we were and and uh, he's been away from the lord for quite a while and uh, nick and i when we were in the car we talked to him for him to a little bit and we said on the way he said, i said to nick isn't it amazing oftentimes when you see people who we've met who were in church or, or following god and then they leave or backslide or do whatever and you see them years later they always look old look so worn and we look I remember looking at this guy and going man you have aged 30 years just look tired so I honestly do believe that in the presence of God and in worship does have an effect upon our physical life but it doesn't bring you can't just go to prayer meetings and church services and everything and not sleep and not rest and think that somehow that's just going to revive your physical energy no you've got to manage it Um, And so, but we come into the presence of God and what it does do, it does renew our emotions. It does renew our thinking. It does create an opportunity for us to get fresh air, as that scripture said, or to lift the sense of suffocation that's coming upon us simply by living life. We live in a very stress-filled world. Uh, Does anybody agree with that (laughs) lots of things going on lots of things that create stress and, and create challenges and we come into God's presence and we allow God's presence to begin to lift and bring air into our soul so that we can breathe and I mean I know for me and talking to many of you it's very rare that you come out of church and think well that was a waste of time I wish I didn't do that. No, most—I know for me, every week I go out and I—I think I'm so glad. I don't always feel like coming. This is confession time right now. I'm the pastor of the church. I don't always feel like coming, but is any? No, I'm sure none of you ever feel like that. I'm sure you just get up Sunday morning going, "Yeah, I can't wait to get to church." But I never walk out of the building thinking, "I wish I hadn't done that." I always walk out going, "I feel good." I feel lighter, I feel refreshed, I feel, that's the presence of God, that's what God's presence does and begins to rejuvenate and refresh us. Um, uh, So how does he, how does he restore our soul? The Lord is my, he restores my soul. Uh, I just want to look at two things, I mean this is a massive teaching in and of itself and we haven't got time just to go through every, everything but I just want to look at two things, two ways that God restores our soul. Number one, so the soul is the area of our imagination, our thinking, uh, our emotions, our will, all that thing. So he renews our mind. When we come into the presence of God, when we hear the scriptures, when we're in this environment, our, our thinking, our mindset is beginning to be changed and transformed Part of our restoration and our ongoing sanctification involves the changing of our thinking and our attitudes. Christ desires that as we follow Him and as we grow in our relationship with Him over time, that our thinking changes. If we're thinking about life and about people and about circumstances the same today as we did five years ago, then there's been no impact on God's presence and Spirit and Word upon that area of our soul our thinking god's spirit comes and challenges us to think bigger challenges us to change sometimes our limited concept of what god can do what life is all about what he, what we what we can possibly achieve through his spirit and he begins to cause us to grow our thinking must change that's the restoring of our Soul, our mind, our heart. Uh, well, that's another part. But our, our mind, the restoring of our mind. Our thinking has to be sanctified. Our attitudes. Out of our thinking comes our attitudes. And uh, Pastor Phil said something incredible uh, the other day. Well, I think it was in a staff meeting. I remember writing it down. But he said this. Your language will determine the health of your soul. What you speak is an indicator of what's going on on the inside. And so if you look at the way you speak, the, what, the things that come out of your mouth, then you can, and if you find that they're always negative or they're always down or there's always critical, or there's all these things, then you need to take a step back and say, why is that what's coming out of my mouth? Um, Romans 8, 6 says this, for the mind set on the flesh, here's the thing, God doesn't take over our bodies, take over our thinking and like a, you know, just go, right, oh, you're going to think this now. No, the spirit comes alive, which is attached to the, the body and the, and the soul, and then the spirit begins to affect us, and, and the spirit of God begins to move on our soul. But we still have our, God doesn't take away our will. Our will is part of our soul. He doesn't go, right, now you're going to and take over our bodies. No, he gives us the opportunity when we become alive and we become aware of certain things to choose to act and to think and to respond empowered by his spirit. So for the mind that is set on the flesh, well, that just means... The carnal way of thinking, the pre-Christ way of thinking and and living life. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. So we have the opportunity to set our mind, to set our thinking, to choose how we're going to think, how we're going to respond, what kind of attitudes we're going to have. And the Spirit, And when we become born again, our soul is elevated and given an opportunity to be sanctified. Before Christ, you don't have the ability to change. You might change a few things and get some mental power happening. But you haven't got the spirit that begins to actually bring you into a divine level of seeing and acting in our world and seeing our life changed. Um, The King James Version says the carnal mind the carnal mind, the mind which is simply limited to the thoughts, the ways, the inclinations of an unregenerate person. And we can choose to live that way, even though we're born again. We can choose to think the same way as everybody else thinks and live the same way as everyone else lives and have the same attitude, the same mindset, the same way of living life, Um, but we don't have to. We can have that whole area of our life sanctified and begin to be transformed into the image of Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. God gave us the mind of Christ. And as we are more sanctified, as we, as we challenge our thinking, as we allow His Spirit to move and we take steps out, more and more and more of that mind becomes a part of our mind and our thinking and our way of seeing the world and it begins to change the way we live because out of our thinking come our attitudes. Out of our attitudes comes our decisions. And so, if you want to think, if you want to know uh, what decisions you're going to make, you need to go back to the thinking that you've got. Um, the NIV calls it the mind governed by the flesh, or the, uh, which I like that I like that uh, analogy uh, leads to death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So we can choose how our mind is governed, what influences the way we think. So our mind is a part of the soul uh and yet when it is governed by the flesh our carnal nature you know which is full of fear anxiety worry all of these things then our mind is being dominated and limited by this world and so we still got anxiety we still got fear we still got trepidation we still got all these things going just like everybody else does because we're allowing the carnal the worldly the 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 the, just the natural mind to govern the way we live our lives But we don't have to. We can choose to allow God's Spirit and God's Word to govern the way we think about our life. So we're not being dominated by fear we're not being dominated by worry we're not being dominated about the concerns of tomorrow and over and over again jesus says don't worry about tomorrow you think what do you mean don't worry about tomorrow is he saying you shouldn't make plans you shouldn't set goals no what he's saying is don't allow the fear of tomorrow to dominate and cause you to make decisions today which are going to be detrimental tomorrow Yes, you've got a plan. Yes, you've got to have goals. Yes, you've still got a set strategy. But don't let the, today's fears, worries, and, and concerns dominate what you do today. The, um, so the mind is not the soul, but the mind is part of our soul. It's joined and, is, and can be controlled by our spirit. When we're born again, our soul is liberated from just the dominion of of a carnal, worldly mindset. And we can begin to see and think and and believe and act in a completely elevated level through the power of Christ's Spirit. One of the signs of fatigue or exhaustion... So this is what happens. We get exhausted, we get fatigued in our soul, even as even as believers or Christians. And one of the signs of fatigue or exhaustion in your decision-making and your thinking... Uh, One of the signs of fatigue, sorry, uh, or exhaustion is your decision-making, your thinking becomes distorted. When you're physically exhausted, you don't think straight. You become vulnerable. You know, you're working, you're working, you're working, you're doing overtime, you're doing all these things, you get tired physically. Guess what? You're vulnerable to be making dumb decisions. That's not the time to be making big decisions about your future because it influences the way you think. you're exhausted you're tired um when you're emotionally fatigued you're vulnerable that's not the time to be making important decisions you're vulnerable when you're emotionally tired when you're under intense pressure whether it be work or family when all these and you and emotionally you're you're fatigued you don't think straight in sport they call it a brain explosion anybody heard of that term You're watching a game and the pressure's on and the game's close. And then someone just does something and everyone goes, what the heck? You know, he boots the ball away or he tries a field goal from 80 metres away. Or he does something, you think, and they say, and the commentators will say, he's had a brain explosion. Why do you have a brain explosion? Because under fatigue and under pressure and in the whole rumble and tumble of the game, or whether it be the game of football or the game of life, you don't always think straight under pressure. And so, um, and you talk to them later, oh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Anyone ever heard that? When did it become a good idea? Because you're fatigued. When we're emotionally fatigued, when, we're, when our soul is tired, when we're mentally fatigued, we start thinking wrong kind of thoughts um, and just like sheep and the whole analogy of Psalm 23 is about sheep make dangerous decisions when they're under duress or under pressure like if, they've, if there's a wolf they can smell a wolf or they, they're in fear they will jump into barbed wire fences they'll try and jump thing, they'll jump off cliffs to try and get away they do dumb things under pressure and under duress so do we we make decisions and down the track we go, What the heck was I thinking? Because at the time it seemed like a good idea because we were under duress, we are under pressure, we were exhausted, either physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Um, I remember um, when Ben, our youngest child, who's not here, I don't think he's here though, he might be over in kids' church, but. Um, He had some complications when he was born, he had a thing called talipes, his leg was completely twisted and and bent around and so they put a brace, well he was in plaster for six weeks from the time he was born and then he wore a brace for four years and basically what they were doing was, and you look at him now and his leg's fine, but but for four years they were twisting his leg back into shape and he would cry constantly and continuously for 22 hours a day uh, for about two and a half years. Morning, day and night, he would be screaming. Uh, and we'd say to the, the nurses or whatever, this this can't be normal. And they said, well, imagine this. Um, I don't know if you ever touched your toes, but some of you may be able to. Some of you may not be able to. But that feeling that you feel in the back of your leg there, in your hamstring, like when you're at full stretch, not when you're just going down, when you're really pressed down, someone pushes down on your back at the gym or something like that, and you go, oh... She said, that's what he's feeling 24 hours a day because they are twisting the, the ligaments and the bones and everything back into shape. Anyway, so he, he, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was hell. And I remember one night, it must have been, I don't know, eight months, nine months into it. It was two o'clock in the morning. He'd been screaming all just nonstop from the pain and i was just it was about two o'clock in the morning i was up there i was absolutely exhausted as was nicole still working full-time still doing everything else i lost my short-term memory i would go places and not remember why i was there or how i got there i'd forget where i parked my car i'd leave stuff everywhere like i was just a mess um apologized to anyone i was counseling at that time (laughs) i don't know if i was giving good advice but I'd sit down at a cafe, I'd speak with someone, I'd walk away, I'd leave everything on the top, my car keys, I wouldn't remember, where's my car? I was, it was just absolutely physically, um, emotionally exhausted. Anyway, one night, it was two o'clock in the morning, he'd been screaming for hours, we'd take it in turns, and, uh, and I was there, and I was, and I was just trying to get him to sleep, and he was screaming and screaming and screaming, and this thought came into my head, if you ram his head into that door jam, this will all be over. And it actually seemed like a logical decision, like, like, you could do this. It wasn't like, it was like I was starting to think that. Like, I could just go whack like that, kill him, and it'd be gone. And, and I remember having that thought, and it was there for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 seconds. And I remember catching myself and going, what the heck are you thinking? And I went into the bedroom, Nick was asleep, and I said, you, you have to take over. I'm, I'm going to do something that I'm going to regret. And um, but at the time you know that, that was something that I was considering and you look like now the, what the heck how would I ever do that because when you're under duress when you're under stress when you're emotionally fatigued physically fatigued things start to seem reasonable that normally wouldn't be reasonable when does an affair become a good decision when does suicide Become a good decision. They're the things we start thinking when we're fatigued in our relationship or in our emotions or at work and and we're tired, we're run down, we're vulnerable. We need to let the Lord renew and restore our soul. We've got to let God, that's why worship is so important. That's why coming into the presence of God is so important. And yes, there's other things that you need to do. You've got to work on your marriage and and relationships and and restore your soul. You've got to do things, have something in your calendar that helps refresh you and and that you enjoy doing. Um, But God's presence, we have to let God's presence into our world Um, so that our thinking can be renewed and that we can begin to think at a higher level, higher levels of faith, higher levels of achievement, higher levels of impact and influence that all comes as we let God begin to change and sanctify our view of life our worldview what we think and God's word inspired by his Holy Spirit comes into us and if we will allow it will challenge us to think bigger that we can be more influential than we ever could be yeah let's give the Lord a hand and then uh Look, it's getting, low. Just, just my one other point, I'll finish with this. Uh, not only does he restore our emotion, but the, another important part of our soul is, uh, sorry, our thinking is our emotions and our passions. When you're tired, when you're worn out, it deadens your enjoyment of life and wonderful moments. When, uh, there was a whole season in our world there, Nick and my, for maybe two years, where, where it was just, you didn't enjoy anything, you didn't like anything food didn 't taste any different because you 're just absolutely exhausted you 're in survival mode. We have to let and look we 're in church and we 're conscious of the fact, but sometimes just the circumstances of life and what you can 't do anything about it, but you 've got to travel through it and you want to travel through it well and The way we managed to get through that you know incredibly difficult time was to it was to um I mean, I did exercise as well and Nick had some other things going on to to keep um, some emotional health, but just spending time in God's presence and allowing refreshing renewal and that sense of suffocation to be lifted by his spirit. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, he energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. But even young people tire and drop out. Young folk, In their prime, stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. God is a restorer. He restores my soul. Why don't we just stand up here this morning? And I just want us to... uh, just take a couple of minutes here. And uh, we've been doing this at the end of each of these services. Um, and I don't want you to feel like we don't always do this, but have opportunities for people to come forward and just be on the altar and let God touch their world and bring refreshing and restoration. I would, and I would encourage every person, whenever that opportunity is there, to come forward. And you might say, oh, look, I went forward last week or, you know, I used to do that, but, you know, I'm, I'm in a different place now. That's like saying, you know, I had chicken last night. I'm never going to eat chicken again. Or, you know, I've eaten bread. I ate bread yesterday. Give me something different. I don't need bread. I don't need food anymore. That's ridiculous to think like that. Our soul needs to be refreshed, replenished, restored, and it happens in the presence of God. And if there's an opportunity to come forward and stand down here, whether you get prayed for or not, and we're not going to pray for anyone here today, it's just about saying, God... I want I want to be refreshed or I want to think bigger. I want my thinking to be renewed. I'm going to come into your presence. I want to I want you to begin to sanctify my thinking, sanctify my emotions, sanctify my attitudes. Maybe you find yourself you just lose your temper all the time. Um that's a weakness. Um, maybe there's, then there's other areas of weakness, other areas of temptation where we say, God, I want this changed. Maybe you're always critical. Maybe you've always got a, a negative mindset. You're always focusing on, the, that's, that's a weakness. You've got to let God begin to change and expand your thinking. Maybe you're just constantly living with fear, anxiety about the future. You don't know how things are going to work out. That's a weakness that God can begin to restore to rejuvenate and to renew that allows us to live in the blessing of God, in the goodness of God, in the purpose of God. So just as the band plays right now, it's going to take a couple of minutes. And if you want to come forward and stand down here just as a, as a, a, a physical indicator to God, God, I want refreshing, or if you want to just stay in your seat, that's okay. But we're just going to, just for a couple of minutes here, let the presence of God touch your life. And why don't you, you know, when we lift our hands, you say, oh, I don't need to lift my hands. The Bible says, lift your hands. What it, it, again, there's so, there's so much symbolism between the, the, the physical acts that we do. We come forward because it's a physical sign, Lord, I'm coming to you. We lift our hands because the Bible says, lift up your hands, holy people. Shout, it's a sign of surrender, of openness to God. Yeah, go, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I just encourage you to do it anyway. And let God touch you here today, just for a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus.